Okay, we've been talking about the um, the great division of the cross, and in in a variety of different ways, with some different focuses, we've been looking at what exists on each side of this great divide. <clears throat> on one side of God's cross, there's death. On the other side, there's life. On one side, there's the Adamic man living in, a, in an Adamic creation. On the other side, there's a new man living as a new creation. On the one side, there's natural copies and patterns and shadows and spiritual uh, of the spiritual things. And then on the other side, there's the actual spiritual things themselves, the, the substance, the reality of all of the things that have been uh, testified of in the in the old, and so we've been looking um, more specifically at the relationship with God that exists on both sides of this great divide. We've been looking at the old and the new covenants, and we've seen that these covenants are two different relationships that God has established. One of those relationships no longer exists; it's obsolete. It's over. It's been put away by God. It served its time, it served its specific function, it testified of a different relationship that was coming. And when that different relationship, the new covenant, when that came, the first relationship was made obsolete. And uh, you know, Hebrew says that in various other places, but um, I know that for most of my life as a Christian, I had no idea how significant that was. Well, that is. I had no idea how necessary, how essential it is for me to understand the nature of God's new covenant. In other words, the nature of God's relationship with me. Uh, and I don't, I, I honestly can't remember hearing a whole lot about that it's not that maybe someone didn't say something about it at some point I just don't think I ever could have heard it um, because to me it sounded like a theological teaching and, and and you know in my mind I kind of had this little imaginary division between the practical realities of Christianity and the, the theological um, more abstract but I'm I probably would have said they were important but nevertheless abstract um, theological things that I should learn about. Um, but I had no idea. I had until the cross became the central reality and faith became uh, uh, the mind of the Lord. In my, I mean, my understanding, faith became the way that all things of God are known and accessed. Suddenly, the new covenant started to be um, such an important essential reality. In fact, I, I saw it to be, and I still know it to be, the most personal and practical reality that I could ever know. For you as a Christian, there's nothing more important than learning and understanding and walking in the relationship that God has established with you and His Son. Everything else is vanity and imagination. Everything else other than in addition to everything else, in addition to or other than God's understanding of His relationship that He has with you, is vanity and imagination. We have to reckon with that. I wish I knew a stronger way to say that, but 
But really it doesn't matter if I did, because only the Spirit of God can show us how necessary this is, how big of a deal this is. We walk through our lives, you and I, we walk through our lives so much of the time thinking our thoughts about God, praying the prayers that are important and, 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 and relevant to our plans and our agendas, and, and then hearing and applying scriptures in ways that support our own ideas. And we don't really know that we're doing that, but we... But what it amounts to is that we're relating to God according to a relationship that we have invented. Or one that has been maybe described to us by another person. Or one that we have read about in a book. And and, and this is so familiar to us that it doesn't even sound dangerous. It's, it's so common that we don't even question it. I remember, uh, I may have said this already, I can't remember, but I remember when the Lord started dealing with me on this. And showing me how much imagination was involved in my understanding of my relationship to him. It was a, it was um, a shocking, to say the least, devastating, confusing, scary. Because I started to see what wasn't re real before I saw a whole lot about what was. And... Um, so and and so let me just say that I'm not suggesting to you that, that, that as Christians we don't have a relationship with God. I'm saying just the opposite. We do. But I'm but I'm suggesting to you and to myself that we do not understand for the most part we don't understand or experience the relationship that God has established with us. See God has established a relationship with us that is Christ. That's the relationship. He's the relationship. And only to the degree that we know Christ do we know and experience this relationship. This is so important. I, I, um, I, I, I think we could spend a lot of time just focusing right here. God's relationship to you is Christ. I don't simply, I don't simply mean that God's relationship to you is because of Christ. Now that's true, but that's not what I'm saying. I don't I don't simply mean that God's relationship with you is is through Christ. That's also true. What I'm saying though is that very specifically God's relationship to you is Christ. You know, the new covenant can be defined in one word. That one word needs to be shown to our hearts by the spirit of truth, but here's that word. Jesus Christ or Christ, you know, two words I guess, Jesus Christ. And the question is always, this is the question for your heart right now. Do you know Christ as your relationship with the Father? And what, is that, what does that even mean? What does it mean that our covenant with God is a person? How does that even make sense? I remember those questions filling my, my mind and, and confusing me when I, when I began to read... Uh, and see these things in, in the scriptures in the Old Old Testament and New. And, and in fact, going back to um, uh, 750 years or so before Christ, the prophet Isaiah, um, in in the in the in the book of Isaiah, there's several um, uh, passages in Isaiah. There's there's the four um, different commentators or um, will 
divide the, or, or call these different things, but there's the four songs or poems um, having to do with Christ as a servant, as as the suffering servant, and then there's another four, and and these are each several um, uh, verses, um, six, ten, fifteen, I don't know, verses each in Isaiah where where the father is kind of proclaiming something about his son through this prophet. So there's the four um, areas in um, starting in the 40s, uh, Isaiah 40, uh, 2 maybe is where it starts. Um, the most famous of these ones of the suffering servant is Isaiah 53. Most people know that one uh, or have heard, heard of that one. Um, but there's other ones as well. There's one in Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49. But then after after that, um, there's the four poems or songs of the anointed king or, or the, the risen Lord. Or, and uh, anyway, in, in two of these sections of Isaiah, God calls Jesus, the Father calls the Son, a covenant to the people. Um, in Isaiah 42:6, the Lord says, "It's like it's like uh, the Father speaking to the Son. He says, 'I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, and I will hold your hand, and I will keep you, and I will give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. I will give you as a covenant to the people.' It says the same thing in Isaiah 49:8." Thus says the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. So, we've, we've looked at how a covenant is a relationship. That's, that's what a covenant is. It's a particular nature and character of a relationship. So the question then comes, what does it mean that Christ is given to you as a covenant? Christ is the specific nature and character of a relationship. See, this is what the new covenant is. The new covenant is not just a way that God has decided to um, behave around you or act towards you. It's more than that. The new covenant is the person, is the son in whom God relates to you. When we understand the Son, then we understand the relationship. When we experience the reality of Christ, our life, then we grow up in understanding our relationship with God. You see, that's why Paul says things like, it's the Spirit of Christ in us who cries out, Abba, Father, or the Spirit of Adoption. It's, it's that Spirit that He's given us. It's that life that He's given us, Christ that causes us to understand the Son's relationship with the Father. Um, so every aspect of your relationship with the Father is something that Christ is. Christ is your relationship with God. Christ is how God sees you. Christ is where God sees you. Christ is how God knows you. Christ is how you know the Father. See, it's Christ's relationship with his Father that you have received. You have entered into a relationship that existed and was defined long before you ever came into it. You're, you're entering into a, 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 a relationship that was before the foundation of the world. Most of you have uh, read or listened to the series I, I did called Not I, But Christ. 
And in it, I do a, uh, a little analogy about my wife when she was pregnant. Um, like every analogy, it has its weak points, but but uh, but it also, I think, conveys at least one important one important thing. Um, and and in this analogy, my wife Jessie and I ha- had a particular relationship, a covenant, a covenant relationship of marriage before we had any children, and the the relationship was between her and I. She was bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We were joined in a specific kind of relationship, and I uh, I provided for her. That was part of the, the relationship. I took care of her. This is a little bit cheesy, but it, it just bear with the uh, cheesiness for the sake of the analogy. Um, I made sure that my wife stays safe and, and healthy and warm and I, I speak to her in a certain way, I relate to her in a certain way and all these things are part of our covenant, a covenant that's called marriage. Well, after a very short time actually, Jesse conceived and and had our son Ezra in her womb. And so inside of her is another person. Inside of Jesse is the life of another individual that is joined to her. And and by virtue of the covenant relationship that Jesse and I have, this baby, which is hidden in Jesse, receives the benefits of a covenant relationship that existed long before this baby um, came into existing himself. Uh, by virtue of me fulfilling my covenant with Jesse, then I am thereby protecting and loving and providing for and cherishing and speaking kindly to this uh, indwelling little one. He relates to me in her. He experiences the relationship that I already have with her. If I provide for her, he's provided for. If I hug my wife, he receives a hug. When Jesse goes to sleep in a warm house, he stays warm within her. Here's the point. For nine months, um, Jesse, for nine months, Jesse is Ezra's relationship with me. For those nine months, he does not have a relationship with me that is not something other than her. He does not have something other than her life and her relationship with me. He is, however, a full partaker and beneficiary of my covenant relationship to her. And, and and that's what I'm trying to say about your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is Christ. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. Christ is your life. You have inherited Christ's relationship with his Father. It is a settled, defined, perfect Relationship. It cannot be altered. It cannot be changed. It can either be known or it can be ignored. If you're a Christian, if you're born of God's Spirit, born again, then your relationship, your covenant with God is the person of Jesus Christ. And maybe that concept sounds simple to you, but I promise you that there are hundreds of ways that we do not actually believe that this is true. For instance, we say things all the time like, I'm working on my relationship with God. Or, I'm a Christian, but I don't have a very close relationship with God. Or, for several years I had a close relationship with God, but now I'm distant from God. You see, none of those statements make any sense. 
your relationship with God cannot change. It never changes. Your relationship with God is Christ. The only thing that can change, the only thing that does change, is your awareness of, your experience of, the relationship that does exist. See, if you're a Christian, your relationship with God cannot possibly, the relationship itself cannot possibly get any better. It cannot get any worse either. You don't need to work on it. You don't need to fix it. There's no way to change it. You only have to know the person, grow in your knowledge, your spiritual knowledge, your understanding, in your faith regarding the, the relationship that you have with God. See, in the eyes of God, everything having to do with your relationship to Him was finished as a matter of fact the moment you were born again. Immediately God sees you as the body of His Son. You're the body of Christ. Immediately the fullness of God's relationship to His Son is yours. That's why Paul says things like, in Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and in Him you have been made complete. Um, and, and this is why Scripture says things about us being uh, co-heirs with Christ. We were made alive with Him, raised with Him, seated with Him. This is why Scripture says that the Spirit of the Son cries out within you, Abba, Father. Immediately upon new birth, you've come to a relationship with God that is the fullness of Christ. And again, our problem is not that we need a better relationship. Our problem is that we generally have no idea what it means to be in Christ. And so if we fail to see as we are seen, if we fail to know as we are known, to walk in his understanding of this relationship, to walk in the light as he is in the light, then we walk in the darkness of our own comprehension, our own natural minds, our own carnal comprehension of what salvation is, what relationship means. We walk in the imaginations of, 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 of what our minds have, have conceived to be um, the meaning and purpose and potential of relating with God. When we don't see Christ as our relationship with the Father, and we, simp we simply see ourselves. We seek to relate to God according to ourselves. And this is why Christians live their lives trying to develop and improve their own private relationship with God that is not defined and known as the person of Christ. This is a huge problem. This is a huge problem. We seek to establish what God has already established. We seek to establish a relationship with Him when He has already established and defined His relationship with us in His Son as His Son. And so even though we are born again, we continue to relate to God as though nothing has happened. I mean, we know our sins have been forgiven. We heard that from the preacher and maybe a little other couple nuggets or something. I don't know. But, but, but we all start out completely uh, ignorant of the relationship that God has worked by the miracle of new birth in our soul. We all do. And as far as, uh, as far as we know, we're still living for God. And as far as we know, we're still trying to please God. And as far as we know, we're still trying to work on our relationship with God. And all these things that are not part of this relationship feel like they're part of our relationship because those are the things we've known about natural relationships. We don't understand the, the, 
the relationship we have with God. And like I said last week, these imaginations about our relationship with God become firmly entrenched in our hearts. And when we add time and effort and prayer and tears to these imaginations, these things become almost impossible for us to let go. But we have to let them go. We must always be letting them go. Because to whatever extent that we fail to see the relationship as it was established and finished by God in Christ, to that extent we have created and established a relationship with God that is the figment of our own imagination. Again, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that the relationship, the relationship itself does not exist. I'm just saying that the nature of the relationship, the reality of the relationship, must become God's view of his covenant. Or else, it is our fictitious ideas. You see, this relationship that we've come to in Christ was established in eternity. The relationship between the Son and the Father is what we've come to what we've been uh, permitted to participate in. And I don't mean, of course, that we've become gods, but we have, through the grace of God, been grafted into His relationship with His Son. And this relationship was established before the foundation of the world. It existed between the Father and the Son before you and your world was ever created. It exists for you to participate in, but not for you to define. It exists for you to discover through the revealing of the Spirit of Truth, but you must never give your thoughts any room to speculate or, or, or describe this relationship. Um, back a few years ago, I used to use this uh, diagram, uh, and for those who are just listening to this, uh, this diagram will be in the notes um, uh, on on the website. You can look at this, but. I used to use this diagram to help illustrate what I'm trying to say. <clears throat> Long before uh, God ever created anything, he had a relationship with his son. It was a relationship where all things were shared between them. It was a relationship of life and light and glory. And, and all of these words that we read about in the Bible, before, before these words were even words in human languages, they were part of the Father's relationship to His Son. And the Son left the form of this relationship and became a man. He became a man in order to bear in Himself the judgment and end of all that had fallen short of the glory of God. We've talked about that. And in doing that, Christ opened a door. He opened a door to relationship. He opened a door to relationship with his Father. In fact, he opened the door to his relationship with his own Father. Having judged sin through his death, he could now offer salvation through his life. That's what it says in Romans. But we need to understand that his life is our salvation. You see, what we call my salvation, or what, what, what we call salvation, God simply calls my son. What we call getting saved, God calls being in my son. What we call new life, God calls the eternal life of my son that is new to you. <laughs> so, 
Having been crucified, buried, and resurrected, Christ returns to his Father. He returns to a restored relationship that he had before the world was made. And he talks about that in John chapter 7. He says, Father, I'm returning to you. Remember this passage where he's praying, and, and he says, Father, I'm returning to the relationship that I had with you, the glory that I had with you before the world was, was created. And, and yet, Father, he says, I desire something. I desire that those whom you have given me out of the world, that they be with me where I am. I am in the Father. I am in you. They are in me. I am in them. This is what he brings us to. So when we're, when we're saved, God doesn't establish a separate, private relationship with you and me. Now, now try to hear this, because I, I don't... This can be... Wrongly, wrongly understood or offensive if we, don't, if we don't see that we've gotten something actually far better than a separate private relationship with God. When we were saved, God grants us access into His exclusive relationship with His one and only Son. This, this is called being in Christ. This relationship, it's extremely personal because he is the life of your soul but this relationship is not private or independent or anything separate from Christ the relationship that God has given you called the new covenant is Christ let me let me say something to you that might at first sound a little bit strange but it's absolutely true and it's wonderful and we need to understand it you don't have your own separate relationship with God you have Christ's relationship with his Father. That's the covenant. That's the nature of the relationship. So many people in the body of Christ like to talk about our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And there is certainly, obviously, a sense in which that is very true. Our relationship with God is extremely personal because he is the very life of our soul. And he's desiring to and delighting in, guiding our soul into the truth in every way that we give him room. But there's also a sense in, in which that expression can be misleading. You don't have a personal relationship with God that is exclusive or, or different than everybody else's. God is not a respecter of persons. God's not relating to you according to the flesh. Your personal relationship with God is the same as my personal relationship with God. It is Christ. God only has one kind of relationship with humanity, and that relationship is the person of Jesus Christ. This is the New Covenant. So in the diagram here, you can see that you and I have been brought into this relationship that existed before we were ever born. It's like, uh, this, this diagram is a little bit like the analogy I just said with Ezra in the womb of Jesse when she was pregnant. We've become partakers in a very personal way of something that existed and was defined before we were ever conceived. Now, if, if uh, imagine if Jesse had octuplets in her womb, uh, every one of them would have the exact same relationship with me through her. You see, they would all be individuals. They still, uh, they still, however, had only one way in which they had entered into a covenant relationship with their father. They only had one relationship with their father, and that relationship would be Jesse, all eight of them. And this is how it works with you and I in Christ. We don't have our own independent relationship with God. 
all of our thoughts along these lines are, are just not right. They're imaginations. Everything that exists in our mind about our relationship with God that is not something that He has shown us about the person of Christ simply isn't true. So getting back to what I said towards the beginning of the message, the, uh, the new covenant is a person. The new covenant is a relationship that we have come uh, into with God, and that relationship is a person. That relationship, like Jesse in this analogy, is a person. That relationship for us in, 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 with God is Christ. Christ is our sonship with the Father. Christ is our righteousness in the sight of the Father. Christ is the person and place in whom we are accepted by the Father. You've heard the scriptures, we are accepted in the Beloved. We've been translated into the Son of His love. Um, everything that God has for you is in Christ, and it is experienced as your heart, as your soul experiences the life of Christ. And the moment you were born again, you enter into a relationship with God that is finished and established and set apart and perfect. There's nothing for you to add to it. There's no way for you to improve it. There's no way for you to screw it up. Your responsibility is very simple. I mean, it's simple to say and yet a bit harder to experience because we resist it. But your responsibility is to let him teach you the relationship, the covenant that he calls being in my son. Your responsibility is to make room in your heart for him to write the reality of the new covenant. To write it on your heart with the finger of God. Because that's where it is. It's in your heart. And that sounds simple. And indeed it is simple. But again, we, you know, we resist this. We resist letting him write the new covenant on our heart because we're still so enamored with our own fictitious thoughts about relating to God. And you'll find that every realization of Christ replaces a realization of self. So, what does God have to do in order to grow us up in Christ? What is required? How does he deal with us in order to help us walk in the reality and experience of this relationship? What does he do to help us to learn the new covenant? Once again, the concept is simple. But the experiences, the experience of this is often rejected, um, and that's because the experience of this always is the cross. It is always, always an experience of the cross. For God to teach us the new covenant, He needs to bring us into His view of this relationship, and that view is always going to be a cutting away of your own view. It is always going to be a the cross is going to be the center of God's dealing with you in that way. Taking away what is obsolete from your heart, establishing what God has has established. Putting away the first in you and establishing the second in you. I used to use an analogy uh, having to do with one of my children, and let's just use Ezra again since we already used him. Ezra is my son. You know, in the words of uh, similar to if, um, Exodus chapter 4, 22, where God says, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. I could say Ezra is my son, even my firstborn. But long before Ezra understands what it means to be my son, or even what it means to be human, 
I understand. I understand that relationship. I know what he is before he can even crawl, before he can even eat solid food, before he can do really anything. I know who he is in relation to me. I know I'm his father. I know he's my son. And I understand the nature of our relationship. This relationship between me and Ezra, it's not up for debate. It's not open for interpretation. He's my son. It's established through birth. The nature of our relationship is established through birth. It's established by life. There's nothing that Ezra has to do to make himself my son. That's simply how he was born. The only variable in this situation, the only question, is the extent to which he grows up into the full knowledge and enjoyment of all that this relationship can mean. Now as for me, the father, I know full well the nature of the relationship long before he does. I know all the benefits that he could enjoy if he learns to walk in this relationship. I know that there, inherent in this relationship there is love, there is protection, there is instruction, there is financial provision, there's all these things that are part of our relationship. And all of it is available to him as part of this relationship. And regardless of what he understands or how he acts, my understanding of our relationship is going to determine how I deal with him. My understanding does not necessarily have anything to do with how he acts or how he sees himself. I mean, he, he, he you know, when children are young especially, m much or most of what they do does not correspond to what the, the parent understands them to be. But my understanding of our relationship is always determining how I deal with him in everything, in all things. I'm going to be faithful to my view, my understanding of our relationship. I'm not going to stoop to his level of comprehension. In other words, I'm not going to consider him less than my son just because he doesn't know who he is. I'm never going to deal with him according to his imaginations. You know, I, I'm always going to deal with him according to the relationship that I know exists. And what I'm going to do from the day that he's born until the day that he's grown is attempt to teach him the full nature and reality of what it means for him to be my son and, and, and to have me as his father. And what I'm trying to say, obviously, is that that is precisely how God deals with us in Christ. God's understanding of his relationship with you in Christ is not up for debate. You can't change it. If you're in Christ, you have it. It was a matter of birth. It's a matter of life. Nobody's opinion has any place in this relationship. God's understanding of, of, of his relationship to you as Christ, that's the new covenant. And it's going to determine exactly how God deals with you in every situation and in every day. And just like a little kid that doesn't understand who he is or how he's supposed to act because he doesn't understand what, what humanity, what his potential is, what anything means. And that, that child is, it starts to have a lot of misunderstandings and, 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 uh, and, and gets upset at, at, at their parents for, for, um, contradicting his will, contradicting his understanding. See, that's how we are with God. 
God's understanding determines how he deals with us in every situation, but it doesn't determine how we're going to react to God or how, how, we, how we respond or, or whether we share his view of the relationship. But it always determines how God is relating to you. And because of this, we so often misunderstand God. We misunderstand what he's doing, what he's not doing, what he's saying, what he's not saying, where he's leading, why he's not leading. We don't understand what he's doing, but what he's doing is he is dealing with us according to his view of our relationship and seeking to grow us up into his view in all things. The faith of the Son of God, his mind, the mind of Christ, the knowledge of God. Now in most cases with my son Ezra when he was a baby before he understood anything about who he was or who I was or about our relationship, in most cases he acted in ways that were very different from what I knew him to be. If Ezra decided that he was Bob the Tomato from VeggieTales and, and, and I was Larry the Cucumber, that would not change the way that I related to him. That might change the way he acted that day or that week. That might change the way he, the, the, the things he wanted me to do with him or for him, but it would still, it would not I would deal with him according to who I knew him to be. I wouldn't just decide that he was Bob the Tomato just because he thought he was. I would do all that I could to bring him into a comprehension, a true comprehension, the full knowledge of the relationship that exists by birth. So here's what I'm saying. God has given you a relationship with him that is defined in and as the person of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing lacking in this relationship except in our spirit-given comprehension of what it is. Except in the renewing of the spirit of our mind. And when I say, whenever I say comprehension or understanding, please know that I'm always talking about, uh, I'm not talking about something that's cerebral, uh, but rather something that is spiritual. God is seeking to do one primary thing in your life right now. He's not trying to get you to do a bunch of things. He's not trying to get you to stop doing a bunch of other things. He's not trying to teach you a bunch of life lessons or apply a bunch of scriptures to natural situations. That's not what God's trying to do with you right now. The Spirit of God is seeking to bring you to the same understanding of your relationship with God that He has. He is trying to cause you, as, as Paul says, to know even as you are known. To apprehend that which you have been apprehended of God. The Spirit of God is seeking to reveal in you the relationship that you have with God. And that relationship has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll stop with that.